6.30 Chad Afternoons with Jalen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 6.30 Chad. So when you think of all of the reasons why you love going to the mountain parks, what, what tops your list? Yeah, right? Uh, the mountains, the rivers, the glaciers, and of course those milky turquoise blue lakes that you have to really see to believe. Well, a new study suggests as we lose more glaciers, we're going to be losing those amazing alpine lakes as well, the color in them. Dr. Rolf Weinbrook is a professor of aquatic ecology at the University of Alberta and has been documenting the changes. Dr. Weinbrook joins us this afternoon. Welcome to the show. Hi, Jalen. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Now, can we first start off by explaining for those who don't know what make those lakes that amazing color? Can you can you can you explain it to us? Sure. Um, so you can kind of imagine that glaciers that sit on top of mountains, um, they kind of grind down on the rocks that they're sitting upon, and by doing so, they kind of mill up the rocks into a fine sort of powder that people refer to often as rock flour or glacial flour it looks very much like baking flour that people use you know in kitchens and and that then when the uh, glaciers are melting that rock flour pours into the lakes and the way that rock flour kind of intercepts and scatters sunlight is what causes those lakes to appear that turquoise-ish color so what is happening now though in some of these lakes why are we losing some of that that brilliant blue that that um, milky blue that we see in some yeah so you can kind of imagine this summer kind of epitomized it um the the rapid warming and higher temperatures that we're experiencing not only here but around the world are are causing these glaciers to shrink in size because they're melting at a faster rate than they have over the last several thousand years and as a result they get smaller they start contributing less of this rock flour into the lakes and then the lakes start to clear up because that rock flour eventually just kind of sediments down to the bottom of the lake and leaves the water that crystal clear blue color that we're starting to see more of and, and that's what you call clarification yeah we call that clarification kind of like clarifying again not to do the <laughs> baking analogy too much but like clarifying butter it's, it's causing the lakes to clear and when they clear the sunlight penetrates down to the bottom of a lot of these alpine lakes and the water absorbs most of the sunlight except for the for the blue and then the blue bounces back and that's why you start seeing more blue lakes okay so you know uh, okay i've got so many i've got so many questions for you dr Vinebrook, on this one if you look at the change in the water the the turbidity is is gone that milkiness is gone and and there there it's it's clear or clearer water now what does that mean for any of the critters the organisms yeah. that live in those lakes so it, it's kind of it's a blessing for some and a curse for others so you can kind of imagine you know for for plant life that live in these lakes particularly like the microscopic green plants or what we call algae they suddenly get uh, increased burst of sunlight that otherwise was pretty you know hard to come by in these turbid conditions and so when the lake clear um, we see a, a definite increase in plant growth and algal growth in these lakes. So we could could that lead to, to you know, more algae and you know I know I, I think of that blue green algae that we hear when we talk about lakes around here could that cause um, some grief in these lakes? Yeah that, that's not going to be enough for them because okay. they'll get the increased light so they'll grow a little bit more but they're still very very uh, 
deficient in nutrients because these lakes are pretty much almost in some cases as pure and dilute chemically as rainwater. Hmm. So, so they just don't have nutrients. So we know that uh, we know that heat, we know the the glacier melting, we know that climate change and and the glaciers receding obviously an issue here. But that's not it as well. Um, interesting to read that uh, that air pollution and even some of the big fires that we've had um, over the past number of years causing some issues with these lakes as well. Yeah. So we're not as bad off as folks down in the states where air pollution levels are much more uh, extreme. But um, I mean, even up here, we do we do get nitrogen uh, deposition in the form of rainfall coming into these high elevation lakes because uh, nitrogen emissions from agricultural areas, from combustion engines, essentially find their way up into the rain and then the rain falls in these lakes, giving them nitrogen. But in many cases, nitrogen, again, is not enough for these lakes to really respond. So um, more recently, and again, we can all appreciate this from the past summer with all the smoke from the wildfires mm-hmm. coming around us, um, the ash that's produced by a lot of these forest fires gets emitted high up into the atmosphere. And in some cases, that ash carries with it uh, a notable amount of phosphorus. And phosphorus is really what these lakes need to be more productive. Um, Again, it won't be as productive enough to let blue-green algae start taking over, but it it will Mm. cause these lakes to be more uh, productive in the long run. And Dr. Weinbrooker, are are these lakes kind of like the canary in the coal mine, you know, an early warning indicator that, hey, you know what, something's not right? Yep, that's, yep. That's, a good, that's a good way to put it. Some people call them uh, the sentinels of, of global change because you can kind of imagine these remote alpine lakes at the top of mountains pretty much are undisturbed in many cases, not in all cases, by any kind of local shoreline activities by humans like residential de- cottage developments or roads mm-hmm. or anything like that. So when anything happens at the, at the atmospheric level at a broader regional scale, such as warmer temperatures or changes in precipitation, these lakes really register those changes quite clearly. So you've been following this for some time now. How, how dramatic has the change been? I mean, has this been something that has come on, you know, hard and fast over the past few years, or has this been slow and steady over 50? Um, so interesting note there is that we did a lot of uh, studies on alpine lakes over the last few years where we went to lakes that were clear and blue and we presumed or assumed that they had never had glacier influences on them because they looked really clear. And what we did is we take, uh, we shoot down this kind of like metal sort of missile projectile to the bottom of the lake and we bring up sediment from the lake and you can analyze the sediment in the way that people when they take a, a, a tree ring core they can they can look at the rings in a in a tree and go oh so it grew a lot that year and then it didn't grow a lot the next year we can do that with sediments and what we found was that a lot of these clear alpine lakes that currently exist only about a few decades ago were these turquoise lakes hmm. but suddenly small little pocket glaciers already disappeared in the 20th century back in the latter half of the 20th century and caused this rapid transition from these turquoise milky states into these clear states and from the sediments it it looks like this transition can happen within a matter of a few years once the glacier is no longer there there's nothing to put the turquoise color into those lakes and they clear up so so why should people care about this um, so like I was saying, it's kind of like there's some positives. Some of the lakes get more productive so they can maybe 
have more food resources, say, for fish that people want to fish for. Yeah. But on the flip side, you can kind of imagine if you ever hiked up to a top of a mountain and if you don't have sunscreen on, that ultraviolet radiation is pretty intense, right? So yeah. these lakes uh, have kind of, they lose that that natural sunblock by losing this rock flower and there are going to be organisms in these lakes that suddenly suddenly experience like very high ultraviolet radiation levels that they're not adapted to and that's where the detrimental effects could actually be occurring so once it's gone can it can it come back in any way or you know what can be done i think once the glacier is gone you're not going to get turquoise lake ever Hmm. that's sad that's pretty sad Yeah. yeah Yeah, on a, on a lot of different levels, it is. Um, not just for, you know, wanting to have that, you know, Instagram-worthy shot. I mean, it's, it's you know, th- there's so many things when you look at industry, you look at, at climate, you look at nature, so many different things. Yeah. Dr. Feinberg, want to thank you for joining me this afternoon. Fascinating stuff. I, I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, anytime at Jalen. It was a it was a pleasure. Thank you so much, Dr. Rolf Feinberg, joining us this afternoon. He is a professor of aquatic ecology at the University of Alberta.